ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد We've now reached this particular chapter in Kitab Al-Tawheed, Bab La Yuqal As-Salamu Ala Allah. The chapter regarding the fact that you do not say As-Salam upon Allah. The chapter that you do not say As-Salam upon Allah. وفي الصحيح عن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال كنا إذا كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الصلاة قلنا السلام على الله من عباده السلام على فلان وفلان فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تقولوا السلام على الله فَإِنَّ اللَّهُ هُوَ السَّلَامُ This narration now of Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه He says that we used to When we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in the prayer Say السلام upon Allah from his servants that we used to give the salam upon Allah, the salam be upon Allah from His servants, and the salam be upon such and such and such and such. So the Prophet ﷺ said, do not say as-salam upon Allah, because Allah, He is as-salam. This chapter then, it is talking about this issue of as-salam. As-salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may have heard occasionally, Abdus salam As-salam is one of the names of Allah. So you have the names of people as Abdus salam As-salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the meaning of the word itself, Salam is like a dua. You are asking for safety and security upon a person. May there be salam upon you, i.e. may there be peace and safety and security upon you. It's like a dua you are making for a person. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in need of this type of dua. Allah is not in need of this dua. Allah is not... It is not possible for any deficiency or any harm to overcome Allah. So you do not make this type of statement with regards to Allah that may salam be upon Allah. Allah is free from any deficiency or any uh, badness occurring to Him. Rather this is for the people. The people are the ones in need of this type of dua. You ask Allah to make them safe and you ask Allah for protection and peace and safety for a particular person. 
You ask Allah to have salam upon them. So you do not make this statement to Allah. Rather, this is a type of statement that is made for the people. فَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِحَاجَةٍ يُدْعَى لَهُ Allah is not in need that you make dua for him with this. لِغِنَاهُ عَنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Because Allah is self-sufficient from everything. He is not in need of anything. وَحَاجَةٍ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِلَيْهِ And in fact, it is all of the things, all of the creation, us, we, who are in need of him. Not that he is in need of anything from us. So he is not in need of us to make such a dua, that there may be salam upon him. Rather, it is us who are in need of that salam. We are the ones who are in need of the salama. We are in need of safety and security and uh, protection upon us. So Allah is the one that you call upon, not the one that you call for. You do not make dua for Allah, rather you are making dua from Allah. You make dua from Allah for yourself, you make dua to Allah for yourself, you do not make the dua upon Allah. So that is something that is going to be mentioned in this chapter. So in this Narration in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, he said that when we used to be with the Prophet ﷺ in the prayer, we used to say, the salam be upon Allah from his servants. That we as the servants used to say, the salam from us be upon Allah. But that the Prophet ﷺ then said, do not say salam be upon Allah, because indeed Allah, He is as-salam. That is one of the names of Allah. He is the one who gives the salama to you. He is as-salam. In some narrations of this hadith, there is an addition where it mentions that they said, As-salamu ala Jibreel, As-salamu ala Mikail. Uh, and then they also said, As-salamu ala Allah. And then the Prophet ﷺ prohibited them from that. So this was a prohibition. From the Prophet ﷺ, do not say as-salam upon Allah. Do not say as-salam upon Allah. And that means it is impermissible for you to make this statement upon Allah, to make a dua upon Allah, salam be upon you. It is not to be done. And he gave the reason why it is not to be done. And he said, ﷺ, that Allah, He is as-salam. As-salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an. Huwa Allahu alladhi la ilaha illa huwa al-maliku al-quddus as-salam al-mu'minul muhaymin. So as-salam is one of the names of Allah. And the meaning of that is the one who is free of any imperfection, free of any deficiency, free of any harm or any evil being upon him. Safe and free of all of that. فَاللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَى سَالِمٌ مِنَ الْآفَاتِ وَالْعِيُوبِ وَالنَّقَائِسِ لِذَاتِهِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from any type of deficiency or shortcoming. In His essence, لَا أَنَّ أَحَدًا يُسَلِّمُهُ It is not the case that anybody else is going to give him safety. That is not the case at all. Allah is the one who is self-sufficient. He is not in need of any dua from anybody for salama, for safety and security for him. And also, 
the fact that Allah's name is As-Salam means that He is the one who you seek the Salama from. He is the one who you ask for Salama. His name is As-Salam. He is the one who gives that Salama to people, that safety and that security to people. So His name is that. So you ask Him for that. كَمَا كَانَ النَّبِيُّ سَأَسَلَّمْ إِذَا سَلَّمَ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَنْصَرِفَ إِلَى أَصْحَابِهِ يَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ ثَلَاثًا وَهُمْ مُتْوَجِّهُمْ لِلْقِبْلَةِ ثُمَّ يَقُولْ اللَّهُمَّ أَنْتَ السَّلَامُ وَمِنْكَ السَّلَامُ تَبَارَكْتَ يَا ذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ The dua that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to make after finishing the prayer, that not making a dua, affirming the name, that you are as-salam. وَمِنْكَ salam, And from you comes the salam, the safety, the security, it is from you. We seek that from you. تَبَارَكْتَ يَذَا الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ So this indicates again that as-salam is one of the names of Allah, and He is the one who gives that safety and security to others. Therefore it is not correct and it is not permissible for a person to be asking for salama. For safety and security as a dua for Allah. Allah is the one who gives you the safety and security. He is not the one in need of the dua. <coughs> so what do we learn here? Firstly, أَنَّهُ لَا يُقَالَ السَّلَامُ عَلَى اللَّهِ Firstly, that we do not say that the salam be upon Allah. We do not make the statement that the salam be upon Allah. Because that is a dua that you are making and Allah is not in need of your dua. You are in need of making your dua to Allah. You are the one in need of Allah answering your dua. Not you making dua for Allah. That is not correct. Al-Mas'alatu Thaniya. The second issue highlights to us the reason why you don't do that. Because Allah is As-Salam. That is one of His names. He is the one who gives that Salama, that safety and security to people. So you make the dua to him for that. Also what we learn from this hadith is one of the prophetic mannerisms of giving da'wah. And that is that if you prohibit someone from doing something, if you prohibit someone from doing something, then if you are able, clarify the reason why it is prohibited. Because that will make it clearer for the person to understand. It will make it more acceptable for him to practice uh, knowing the prohibition and knowing the reasoning behind that prohibition. So here the Prophet ﷺ did that. He prohibited them from giving the salam upon Allah and he gave them the reason. And that reason was because Allah Himself is. As-salam, the one who gives the salama to others, gives the safety and security to others, He Himself does that. So you do not make dua for salama upon Allah. Fourthly, not only if you prohibit someone you attempt to give the explanation as to why but if you are able you provide an alternative if you prohibit someone from doing something then provide an alternative so the alternative here is what that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned to them the correct way of doing the tashahud this section now is the correct phrasing of how to do it. 
At-tahiyyatu lillah, that is the correct phrasing of how to do this. Not to say, As-salamu ala Allah. As-salamu ala nabi ala ibadillahi salihin. But not As-salamu ala Allah. So here the Prophet ﷺ then gave them and explained to them the correct form of how to do the tashahud and how to phrase those words. That is the chapter regarding the issue of As-salam. The issue of As-salam. So we learn that As-salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As-salam is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not make dua for salama, for safety and security for Allah. You make the dua for Allah to give you safety and security. Because Allah is the one who gives that. He is As-salam. Then we move on to the next chapter. Bab qawluh. Allahumma ghfirli in shi'ta. The statement of a person when he says, Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. Forgive me if you wish. What is the ruling with regards to making dua in a manner whereby you say, Oh Allah, if you will, then give me forgiveness. If you will, then have mercy upon me. This type of statement is going to be mentioned in this chapter now. It is impermissible. It is impermissible. It is not correct for a person to make dua in this type of manner. Whereby you say, oh Allah forgive me if you will. Oh Allah have mercy upon me if you wish. Having that type of phrase indicates that you are not making the dua with conviction. And when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, then you should have conviction that Allah hears your dua and will answer your dua. And you ask Allah with a full heart for that dua. Not that you ask Allah half-heartedly. Oh Allah forgive me if you will. Oh Allah have mercy upon me if you will. That is not the correct way. Rather you make dua with that conviction in your heart. You make it wholeheartedly, fully, sincerely asking Allah to forgive you, to have mercy upon you, whatever your dua is. So you do not make the dua and connect it in this way by saying, if you will, if you wish. Rather you make it... (coughs) Firmly and with conviction. The reason why you do not do it in that way, Oh Allah have mercy upon me if you will, Oh Allah have mercy upon me if you wish, is firstly because this indicates, it indicates a degree of complacency from you. It indicates a degree of a lack of concern from you. You're saying, Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. It's like you don't fully care. Forgive me, Allah, have mercy upon me if you will. So it indicates an indication that is not good when you make your dua in that way. Like you don't really care. Like you're not really fully convinced. Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. 
like you're not bothered about the sin that you've really done. So that type of phrase, when you make the dua in that way, the first problem with it is, it indicates that you're not maybe fully serious or you do not have the full conviction. So that is something which is a mistake straight away, as if you think it's not really a big deal if you get forgiven or not. Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. Have mercy upon me if you will. Like you're not really bothered. So this is incorrect. So the Shaykh says exactly that. Indicates his complacency in making the dua to Allah. As if the person thinks he's self-sufficient. It doesn't really matter whether the dua is accepted or not. Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. Like he thinks it doesn't really matter. يقول, like the person is saying, well, if Allah forgives me, good, but if he doesn't, well, what can you do? Like he doesn't really care. So this indicates <coughs> a very bad indication in the dua. The shaykh says, no doubt, that is something very bad indicated there, if you make the dua in that way. Because a servant is always in need of dua to Allah. A servant is always in need of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In all his situations, in all his affairs, a servant is always in poverty before his Lord. And you do not look to your skills and what you have, thinking you're self-sufficient, you've got this, you've got that, you can take care of yourself. Everything you have and what you've been given is from Allah. So do not think for a moment you are self-sufficient and you can take care of yourself and your affairs and you can control things for yourself and do what you need to do. Rather, everything you have and everything you've been given, then it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are a servant in poverty before your Lord. The Shaykh says all of these things that you think you have and you think you're in control, all of these things and everything you have, in a split moment, they could be taken from you. In a split moment, they could be taken from you. Whatever it may be, you think you have this, you think you have that, you think you're in control, you think you can do everything. In a split moment, those things that you have, that quality that you have, that skill that you have, those possessions that you have, they could be destroyed, they could be ruined, they could be stolen. Anything could happen which prevents you from what you thought you could do for yourself. So never consider yourself to be self-sufficient. Rather, you are servants in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these are means that Allah has given you. But you do not depend upon the means. Rather, your dependence is upon Allah. And these means are blessings from Allah upon you to perform and to carry out what you require to do. <coughs> so even if a person had the most money, the most children, the most kingdom, then you are still a servant in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the shaykh says, no matter how much wealth and possession and property and kingdom you had, you are still in need of Allah to maintain that. A king, he may have everything that he desires, from the wealth and the money and the palaces and everything. And the whole thing could be taken away from him in a split moment. Overnight, some disease overcomes him, he's bedridden. What does all of his kingdom benefit him now? He cannot even see it. He cannot even get out of his bed to go look at it. Anything that you have, everything that you have, 
then you are in need of Allah to maintain that blessing for you. It is not you who maintains your blessing for yourself. The second problem in making the dua in this way, Oh Allah forgive me if you will, Oh Allah have mercy upon me if you will, if you wish. It is a bad indication in terms of suggesting that maybe Allah is not able to answer the dua. Like when you say to somebody, I need to borrow a hundred pounds of you, if you can, if you're able, if you, if you can just give me a hundred pounds tomorrow. Why do you say it like that? When you say to somebody, I need to borrow a hundred pounds tomorrow, uh, if you can, if you can. You don't want to make it difficult for him. You don't want to burden the person. You say, give me a hundred pounds tomorrow, but you know, if you can, if you can, I don't, you know, if you can, like that. Because you don't want to burden the person. You don't want to say to him, I need a hundred pounds tomorrow. Because the person might not have it. It might be a difficulty for him. So the people you hear them speak in that way, they say, I need a hundred pounds tomorrow, but you know, if you can, if you're able, if you if you can help me out, I need a hundred pounds. You always say it like that. Why? Because you don't want to burden the person and you fear that he may not be capable. So you say it in that way, very tentatively. You know, if you can give it to me, if you're able, tentatively. This dua, when you make it in that tentative way, Oh Allah, forgive me if you will. Allah have mercy upon me if you wish. It is indicating the same type of meaning, that maybe you're saying as if this could be a burden upon Allah to forgive you. This could be some difficulty to forgive you. And that is again indicating a great deficiency. Allah is not in any burden or difficulty to answer the dua of everyone. لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم كانوا على أقاموا على صعيد واحد If all of you from the beginning to the end, the jinn, the humans, were stood upon one plane of land. فسأل كل واحد مسألته And then every single person asks for his dua. And if Allah answered the dua to every person of what they wanted, then the hadith says it would not decrease the kingdom of Allah in any way. If Allah answered the dua and gave every single person whatever they wanted, it would not decrease the kingdom of Allah in any way. So when you make the dua, oh Allah forgive me if, if you will, if you can, it's almost like saying if you can. Forgive me if you can, if that's okay, if you're able. And that is something not permissible to make the dua and to address Allah in this way. Allah is capable of answering the dua of every single person, every single person, not just every person alive on the earth now, every person ever, every jinn ever, if all of them were together and every single one, the billions and billions made dua, then Allah answered the dua of every single one, it would not decrease the kingdom of Allah. So if you make your dua in that tentative way, it's again indicating a bad meaning. So in this hadith then, Hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim again, Hadith of Abu Huraira. Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, La yaqul ahadukum Allahumma ghfirli in shi'ta. Do not say, none of you should say, Oh Allah forgive me if you will. What's the, what did they say? Oh Allah forgive me if you wish. If you wish. Oh Allah, forgive me if you wish. Allahumma ghfirli in shi'ta. Oh Allah, forgive me if you wish. Allahumma arhamni in shi'ta. Oh Allah, have mercy upon me if you wish. 
لِيَعْزِمِ الْمَسْأَلَةِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا مُكْرِهَ لَهِ Rather, let him be convinced in his affair. Let him do his dua with conviction. For indeed there is nobody who can uh, burden Allah, stop Allah, prevent Allah. Make your dua with conviction. There is nothing stopping Allah from answering it. So do not make it half-heartedly thinking maybe this, maybe that, maybe burden. That is not the case. وَلَيَّذُ بِاللَّهِ You make your dua with conviction to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this then, there are two things mentioned. The fact that when a person makes his dua saying, Oh Allah forgive me if you wish. Firstly indicates that the person is not really taking his dua seriously. Allah forgive me if you wish. Have mercy upon me if you wish. That indicates the person is not taking his dua seriously. He does not have conviction. (coughs) The second thing it indicates is that maybe another bad indication. It's almost like saying that the person thinks Allah may be burdened in having to answer this dua. Oh Allah, have mercy if you wish. It's like saying if you're able, if it's okay. And that is not to be said with regards to Allah at all. Rather you make dua with conviction and it would not affect Allah or decrease the kingdom of Allah whatsoever to answer the dua of every person. In the narration of Sahih Muslim, Sahih Muslim, وَلْيَعْظِمْ وَلْيَعْظِمِ الرَّغْبَةِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَتَعَاظَمُهُ شَيْءٌ أَعْطَاهُ وَلْيَعْظِمْ الرَّغْبَةِ مِثْلُ وَلْيَعْظِمْ الْمَسْأَلَةِ This means that a person needs to have extra conviction. What's the word they use? A will of full devotion. Devotion. To be fully devoted to your dua. To have that devotion in your dua, conviction in your dua, that's the same. Meaning your desire for this dua to be answered, make that great. That you really want this dua to be answered. You really want Allah to give you this dua that you're asking for. With full conviction, full heart, wholeheartedly make your dua. That's what this narration says. Meaning wholeheartedly make your dua. Wholeheartedly make your dua. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَتَعَاظَمُهُ شَيْءٌ Because nothing is above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what He gives. Nothing is too great for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what He gives. So He gives without restriction. Allah can give without restriction. And Allah gives the blessings to His servants. بِلَا حَصَرْ وَلَا حِسَابٍ وَلَا تَنْفَدْ خَزَائِنُهُ And the kingdom of Allah does not run out. The people, they make the dua and Allah continues to answer. And it does not decrease the kingdom of Allah in any way answering the duas of the people. بخلاف المخلوق فإنه قد يعطي العطاء ولكن هذه العطية تكون ثقيلة عليه تجحف بماله. And this is in opposition to creation. In creation, a person gives from what he has, and that will end up <coughs> that will end up decreasing his wealth. It will end up decreasing his wealth. When people they give from their wealth, they give somebody some part of their wealth, some house, some cars. It decreases how much they've got left. 
But here with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it does not decrease His kingdom at all in any way. So nothing is too great for Allah. Nothing is too great for Allah. Whatever the dua that is made, then it is nothing that is beyond or too great for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah will give paradise to whom He wills, which is the greatest of all of the givings, the greatest of all of the rewards. And He gives this world and the hereafter. And He gives without accountability. And He gives without restriction. And He gives and it does not run out. Just like in the hadith it mentions, Ya ibadi, O my servants, لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم قاموا في سعيد واحد فسألوني فعطيت كل واحد ما سألني ما نقص ذلك مما عندي إلا كما ينقص المخيط إذا أدخل البحر ذلك بأني جواد واجد ما وجد واجد ماجد عطائي كلام وعقاب كلام أفعل ما أشاء This narration where Allah said if all of you from the beginning to the end humans and jinn were stood upon stood upon one plane of land, and everybody asked me, and I gave to everyone what they wanted, it would not decrease from my kingdom at all, except like a needle which is dipped into the ocean, how much of the water of the ocean does it take out? Nothing. A needle dipped into an ocean, and then you pick the needle out, how much water does it carry with it from the ocean? Nothing. The ocean is the ocean, it has removed nothing from the ocean. So this is the reality. Nothing is too great for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we learn from this narration then? <clears throat> Firstly, very clearly, that it is impermissible to make dua in the form of saying, if you wish. Oh Allah, give me this if you wish. Oh Allah, forgive me if you wish. Oh Allah, have mercy upon me if you wish. That is not the way. If you are sincere, you are repenting, you are asking for forgiveness, then do it with conviction. Secondly, what is the reasoning behind not doing that? Two main reasonings mentioned. One of them because... <coughs> so that indicates, firstly, if you, didn't, uh, if you did it in that way, Allah forgive me if you wish, then it indicates that you yourself as a person are not serious or with any type of conviction in your dua. And secondly, it indicates a bad meaning because it's like you're saying it may be a burden upon Allah to answer your dua. <coughs> so neither of those are correct. Allah, His kingdom, His treasures do not run out. So you make your dua with conviction. Also what we learn from this hadith is the complete self-sufficiency of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you make the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He will give to whom He pleases from His creation and it does not affect His kingdom. So that is the chapter regarding making dua. When you make dua to Allah, then do it with conviction. And use the times, the times of the day, of the week, the situations where it is mentioned that dua is more likely to be answered. So for example, in the last third of the night, in the last third of the night it is mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yanzilu ila samaid dunya. Allah descends to the lowest heaven, descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night. And He says, Man yas'aluni fa'a'tiya. Who is asking me and I will give it to him. 
من يستغفرني فاغفر له هو يسيك ما فقبنس انا وقف ذم فقبنس من يتوب هو يسيكين repentance فأتوبوا عليه and I will give him that repentance so this is the last third of the night similarly in prostration another time when a person is in prostration in the prayer to make the dua there is a time of answering also أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونُ الْعَبْدُ إِلَى رَبِّهِ وَهُوَ سَاجِدٌ The closest a person is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. Also, when a person is traveling, for example, the traveler, it is mentioned in the sunnah, his dua is more likely to be answered. The one hour on a, or the, the time period on a Friday, many of the scholars they mention after Asr, and other times have been mentioned. That a person makes the dua at that time and it is likely for answering. <coughs> so a person should use those opportunities for dua. Then we move on to the next chapter. Bab la yaqul abdi wa amati. The chapter regarding how you do not say to people, my slave. You do not call the people my slave. In the hadith of Abu Huraira, in Al-Bukhari, a Muslim again, that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, لَا يَقُلْ أَحَدُكُمْ None of you should say, أَطْعِمْ رَبَّكَ وَضِئْ رَبَّكَ وَلْيَقُلْ سيدي ومولاي ولا يقول عبدي وامتي وليقول فتاي وفتاتي وغلامي in this narration the prophet sallallahu said none of you should say at'im rabbaka go and prepare the food and give the food to your rabb referring to your to your owner the servant the slave has his owner do not call your owner Rabb. Because linguistically in the Arabic language, it can be used for that. Linguistically, Rabb can be used for other things. You can say, هَذَا الرَّجُلُ رَبُّ الْبَيْتِ Linguistically in Arabic. He is the head of the household. Rabb can be used in those types of ways. That, type of, that word in linguistic meaning. But here in the hadith it says, Do not say to your owner Rabb. Do not say, go and feed, uh, fix the food up for your Rabb. And similarly, don't say, go and uh, make the wudu or provide the water for your Rabb. Don't use that type of phrase. Rather say something like Sayyid. Call him Sayyid, call him uh, Mawlaya. Uh, maybe the people these days say Mawlana, things like this. Mawlaya and Sayyidi. And similarly, he should not say to them, my slave, Abdi. And amati should not use these types of words. Rather use fataya, fatati, ghulami. These types of words are more appropriate. What is this chapter referring to then? Why this situation? <clears throat> it is because these types of words, like rab, they are mentioned for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so by using them in the context of your owner and calling him your Rabb, you can clearly understand how the connotation is not good. 
you can understand that this connotation is not good. That you call him your Rabb. And similarly for him to call them his slaves. Rather we are all slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here look at this chapter now in Kitab al-Tawheed. Talking about this issue of names that you call other people. Do not call them your Rabb. And even in English, there are certain types of words that are not really suitable to use. Like master. He is the master of X, Y, and Z. Because Allah is the one who is in charge and in control. So words of this greatness. He is the master of this and the master of these people. Not suitable terminology. So here in Arabic, similarly, those types of terminology are not suitable terminology because these are words which are indicative or they are applied to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they are referred to as with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like the word Rabb. And also here the issue is that by using these words, you're opening up the door to problems. Somebody hears you calling your owner the Rabb. And you hear him calling his servants his slaves. Then this can indicate issues to people. It may cause problems. It may open up doors to problems. When people hear this terminology being used amongst creation to each other. And they say, but Allah is the Rabb. But we are the slaves of Allah. How is he saying to him he's his slave? So these types of terminology, you do not use them to block that entrance in the first place. To stop that possibility from arising and the problems and the issues arising. And this is known as Saddul <coughs> Dharai'a. To stop those potential issues arising in the first place. Also, we learn the same principle as before. When you prohibit someone, then give them an alternative. And that's what exactly happens in this hadith. When the Prophet ﷺ prohibited them from saying, Rabb. He gave them an alternative which was Sayyid and Mawlaya. And when he prevented them from saying Abd and Ama, he gave them the alternative Ghulam, Fatat, Fataya, various other words that can be used instead. <clears throat> so here this chapter is highlighting an issue in Tawheed as well. What is that issue in Tawheed? This is in the Kitab al-Tawheed. So how is this chapter linked to Tawheed? Who can explain? How is this chapter linked to Tawheed? <laughs> so this is to perfect your Tawheed, the perfection of your Tawheed, is that you do not use terminology which is typically, which is indicating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for creation. Because then that could bring some overlap and misunderstanding to the people, open up the doors to falsehood. So to perfect your tawheed, those terms and this type of phrasing is purely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you do not bring about deficiency in your tawheed by using these words that are applicable to Allah, using them into humans and creation and opening up doors to problems. So even with things like that, and this is why the scholars, they say Tawheed and Shirk isn't just bowing down to idols. Tawheed and Shirk, even with your speech, how you talk and the words that you use, 
the phrases that you use, the terminology that you use, those types of things that exit from your tongue, shirk can be upon that. So you have to be careful what you say, how you say, what you phrase, your terminology. So these chapters here are referring to those types of things. Here it's not a physical action, there's no prostrating to idols, there's no uh, grave worship, there's no slaughtering for others. <coughs> it is simply the words that you use. To use the word Rabb for your owner, to use the word Abd for your servant. Not to do that, because it indicates deficiency in your Tawheed. Those types of descriptions are for Allah. They are not descriptions for the humans. The description of Rabb to Allah, the description of Abd for us as Abd of Ibad of Allah. So that is again indicating the perfection and the deficiency in Tawheed, in the usages of your speech and terminology. And the scholars, they say you must be very careful with that. <coughs> because the shirk al-alfaz can occur. A person may not be aware of what he says, and he may say something or phrase something or give some terminology which actually has a meaning of shirk within it. That is the end of that particular chapter. If there are any questions so far, <coughs> next time we'll start the chapter Bab La Yuraddu Man Sa'ala Billah. A person who asks you in the name of Allah for something. And also uh, regarding asking dua for paradise. And also the issue which overcomes a lot of people. An important issue, the issue of when people say, if only. If only I had done this, then it would have been okay. If only I did that, then this would have been okay. And if only this happened, then that wouldn't have happened. And if only I did that, then this would have been okay the other way. What's the ruling on saying, if only this and if only that? And this is something which overcomes the people a lot. And the shaitan, he affects the minds of the people a lot over these issues of thinking, if only this had happened, and if only I wasn't 10 minutes late, and if only I went that other way, and if only this, and if only that. So those types of things we're going to cover in the next couple of chapters too, inshallah. We'll carry on next week at the same time, but if there's any questions now before we conclude. If, uh, if you're not sure about anything, if you say, if it's good for me. That's in the dua of istikhara. When you make the dua of istikhara, the prayer for istikhara, when you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for if something is good for you, then in that dua it is mentioned, Allah, if you are aware, if you know that this is good for me, and of course Allah knows. So you're saying, Allah, you are aware, I'm not aware. You know if this will be good for me or not. So if it is good for me, then let it happen. And if it is not good for me, then let it not happen for me. That is istikhara, you're asking Allah, should you do it or not? You're asking Allah, should this happen for you or not? In the dua, when you read it, it says, Allah, you are the one who knows and I do not know. You are the one who knows, I do not know. So if you know this is good for me, if this is good for me and you know, then allow it to happen. And if it is not good for me and you know, then keep it away from me. That is istikhara. That is not in your other affairs. That is not if you committed a sin and then you say, Oh Allah, if, if I need to make forgiveness and give it to me, that's different. Hmm. No, like we said, linguistically can be used. Linguistically, there is a usage of it. Yeah. But here it's being said that you shouldn't open up this door. Yeah. You don't open up the door to using rub for people and everything and then misunderstandings occur. Linguistically, it's possible. You can say like they say in the books of Aqidah, Rabbuddar. 
Rabbu dar like you say, Rabbu al-bayt, the head of the household. In Arabic, Rabb, you can use that word. But it's uh, what they were explaining was, you don't open up this door to allow misunderstandings and to cause problems to arise. The word ar-rabb, like that, it is something uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll leave it there then. It's time for the prayer. We'll carry on inshallah next week. Next week, Aisha, uh, going to be 8 o'clock?